Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Really Rad Dad podcast hosted by Jordan Fisher and Keith Brown. Uh, thank you for tuning in for this episode. Um, it is May 29th, 2020. Um, hope you all are staying safe out there. Um, and for all the new um, podcast listeners, Spotify and Apple Music, thank you for tuning in and welcome. Um, so we could just hit it with news. You got anything to start off with? Just a couple things, Keith. We, uh, we haven't done a, a, an episode in a little over a week now, so you'd think that a lot would have happened in that time frame, but not much, I guess, it's just given you know, everything that's going on. But um, just a couple, a couple things to point out. I'm sure you probably don't care about this, but I've been loving it. Eli Manning has officially joined Twitter. Yes, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I've been following him, and I mean, any anything the Mannings do, I think, is gold. Especially Eli, he's definitely kind of, um, you know, a, a, a comedian, but not on purpose. So he's always yeah. good for a laugh. Um, that's kind of one of my bigger my bigger news. Some free agent signings that I'm sure you probably have as well. You see Joe Flacco sign with the Jets. Yep, yep. Not not a ton of money. A uh, one year up to. Um, Three million, but his base is about a million with uh, about five hundred thousand um, signing bonus. So up to three million in incentives. Carlos Hyde also signed with Seattle, and that was um, for a year, one year, four million dollars, which is actually interesting because they originally offered that to uh, Devontae Freeman, who turned it down because he didn't think that that was enough. So they gave that that contract to Carlos Hyde. Now Freeman is not getting anything. He's had some interest from, I, I believe, your boys, the Eagles. Yep. Um, and, and, and he's just not getting what he wants, and he's now threatening, or actually maybe he's retracting that threat. But originally he said that he's going to sit out the season if his demands aren't met. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I don't think he's going to get the, the one-year $4 million that he turned down in Seattle. I don't think anybody's going to give him anything more than that. So we'll, it'll be interesting to follow that along and see, see where that goes. But uh, unfortunately, that's it. That's just the, all I got. Yeah, it's amazing because in his mind, he's like, I'm still a top running back. But he right. hasn't had a 1,000-yard season in about three years, I want to say. Yeah, he's at least two. up pretty yeah. bad. So yeah. um, it's funny because he did send out a tweet that he took back immediately. And yep. uh, he's starting to get better now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't – you know, you have to realize – Running backs shouldn't be making that kind of money anyway. So, right. Right. Um, and then to kind of go back a little bit, um, there was everyone saw this probably, but um, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson paired up with um, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. I forget what the pairing was. It was uh, Tiger and Peyton. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, I believe they won, right? Yes, they did. Yep. Yep. And uh, it was for. Uh, primarily for COVID relief funds, and they raised about twenty million. So that was cool to see. Yeah, um, they did. A, it was fun. I I didn't watch much of it, but um, it was it was very popular. A lot of people tuned in. They did a great job. It was entertaining. So I, honestly, like it was it was a success. And I think they're looking to continue that. You know, not necessarily right now. Maybe maybe in the next years. But they did a good job with it. Right. Absolutely. Um. And then just if we're going on sports news and kind of. In the dead time, I mean, there is um, Korean baseball to watch still. I've been enjoying that, actually. I've been watching that a lot because there's right. games that start at 1.30 a.m. and usually like 5, 5.30 a.m. Right. It's actually pretty fun, and you've seen a few guys from the MLB in it, too. There's a lot of home runs. Um, so I've been pretty entertained with that, actually. I'm kind of surprised. But um, 
And then I saw in the news this morning that minor league MLB teams are considering just shutting it down for the year. Um, and that makes sense. They probably will because their season wraps up in August. So they would have two and a half full months, even if they were to start tomorrow. Right. I think so, they will, especially because I don't see the MLB coming back. I think that there's such a friction right now between players and owners. They can't agree. Players don't really want to come back. So I don't see, I don't even know if the MLB is going to um, make its way back. So definitely the minor leagues won't, which is a bummer because where we live in Virginia and Fredericksburg, they uh, were supposed to have their inaugural season for a single A baseball team down here. Oh, Just that's right. That's too bad. Been a lot of excitement around that for the last like, year or so. And what a bummer it's going to be that they won't even have their, their season this year. Yeah, that sucks. I know um, I love going to Rochester Red Wings games. I'll go to four or five a year usually. This year probably only would have been a couple, but it's always so fun. I mean, you get fireworks on Friday nights. Um, Wednesdays, dollar hot dogs. Why do got to represent Rochester? Um, but, yeah, it's it's rough. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, with – watching i it's funny i think streaming on twitch is at an all-time high right now oh, people bet, are watching so many things so many people now right. i saw on twitch the other day i play ncw football 14 like myself uh using matt mackley in that like mini series i guess you would call it um just anything to keep the sports fans entertained and give them something at this point right right um so i will say in the nfl there has been a little bit of news um there's been, I think, three or four states now have actually came out and said that they're going to allow for teams to fully come back to facilities fully as long as they follow state guidelines and regulations. Um, New York wasn't part of that. And I think California was also in, in with that. Um, Texas was the left. The lit, the, sorry, I can't talk today. Ah, Texas was the latest state. That's tough to say anyway. It is tough, though. <laughs> um, so anyway, their uh, governor, Greg Abbott, has issued a revised order. Not only will professional sports be allowed to resume play in June, but outdoor stadiums will be hosted, allowed to host fans up to 25% of their capacity. Okay. I'm not sure if that's a great idea. That's kind of coming out hot. I feel like it's not even June and they're saying stuff like that. But um, it's trending in the right direction anyway. Um, and I think training camps will be back in mid-July. We'll see what happens with fans. But the NFL actually issued a statement on May 28th. Um, you can find it on Adam Schefter's page. Um, and I'll post the picture on this after post-editing too. Um, but the main thing is uh, – Basically, that says beginning next Monday, June 1st, clubs may reopen ticket offices, retail shops, and other customer-facing facilities as long as the operation of such facilities fully complies with state and local regulation. Um, employees of these operations will apply the current uh, 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 no more than 50% of maximum staff. So gift shops and like little things like that starting to open back up in facilities and with state laws and regulations coming down now, like the Jets, the Bills, and the Giants can come back to facilities pretty soon as long as they abide by state uh, regulations. So it's good to see. Looks like teams will be back in facilities shortly. So I don't think the offseason is off track as of yet, which 
that's why I wasn't surprised when they didn't cancel any preseason games or regular season games just yet. Cause it's a long off season. There's like a solid five, six month gap. So at least we have that working in our favor. (laughs) Plus NFL is lucky in that they, they have all these other leagues that they can kind of watch to see how they do it and the moves that they make and how successful they are and what they do. And then they can kind of piggyback off of that or tailor their decisions off of that. So they're actually, honestly, of all the major leagues, you know, NHL, NBA, MLB, NFL is probably in the best situation because they can kind of sit back and see what unfolds over these next few months and how, how it all works out. Yeah. If there was any perfect time for this to happen, which if there isn't, but right. for the NFL, it was the week after this, the championship wrapped up um, after the Super Bowl wrapped up. So Good news for them, I guess. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think there's still going to be regular season games. I don't think we're going to get away from that anytime soon. Um, just I think without fans would be the smartest move, but we'll see. Yeah, I agree. So I agree, Keith. Yep. So let's start with uh, AFC NFC West grades. You want to hit it with your guys first? Sure. I'll, I'll give. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with the Raiders last. I don't know if there you, you want go. to go first with them, but uh, definitely. Three yeah, whoever. <laughs> I'm I'm very hard on them, so we'll see. Maybe I wasn't this this year. We'll see. But <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with the Broncos first, and this pains me, man. I, I of all the teams in my division, I feel like everybody has a team that they hate the most in their division. For me, it's the Broncos. I can't stand the Broncos. Kind of goes back to um, I feel like it all started with Mike Shanahan. I just hated that weasel. And um, it's just kind of carried with me ever since. But um, I, I hate to do it, man, but I'm giving them an A minus. I thought that they had a really good offseason. I thought they had, I thought they drafted well. Um, they ended last year on a pretty good note. I think they, they won their last four out of five. I think they were four and one in the last five games. So it ended on a couple good wins. Um, they added some pieces to kind of build around Locke, give Locke some if, – if, if they think he's the answer, which they do because they didn't go, go after any of these bigger – you know, um, quarterbacks this offseason. So apparently they think he's the answer. I thought they built around him. They gave him some some um, weapons. And then they upgraded their offensive line, which in today's NFL, especially with a young quarterback, you got to build up your offensive line. And I thought, I thought they at least upgraded. I'm not going to go ahead and say that they have a great offensive line by any means, but they worked at that. Um, some additions this offseason, they brought in running back Melvin Gordon. Um, they traded for cornerback A.J. Boye. Uh, probably say his name wrong all the time. D, uh, they brought in D tackle Darrell Casey. They brought in um, uh, offensive lineman guards. They brought in defensive lineman uh, D tackle. They brought in a tight end. They don't lose a whole lot. They lost Joe Flacco, not a loss. Um, they lost their center Connor McGovern. That that's a that's a, a loss. I think I think he played well. They lost their DN Derek Wolf a little bit on the older side, so maybe not a huge loss. Chris Harris though they lose him. They did bring in a cornerback to replace him. We'll see how that works out. That you brought in, you brought their safety over to Philly. Yes, sir. Philly, Philly will. Yep. <laughs> Will Parks they lose out on, and they lose out on another guard, Ronald Leary. But they they made some moves in the off season with free agents to you know shore up that line. They drafted to shore it up, so not a huge loss there in the draft. Um, they drafted wide receiver Jerry Judy, which best available. That's what they I think that's what they went with. Great. And that was there. They drafted uh, another guy, another wide receiver, Penn State kid. So I. I bummed about that they love their Penn State wide receivers Deshaun Hamilton they drafted him from Penn State Penn State's leading receiver and you name it he's also from Frederick I don't know if you knew um, oh, really? that's pretty cool so they drafted wide receiver KJ Hamlin drafted a center uh, a tight end who might be the steal of the draft he fell 
that was a far, so that was theft. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't like that. I hate that idea that they they may have stolen, you know, the best the, yep. the best player in the draft. We'll call him Albert O because nobody knows how to pronounce his last name, and I'm not even going to try. Wasn't to. even going to try. Nope. <laughs> yep, <laughs> going to try. But um, in terms of holes, I mean, they they kind of have a uh, maybe a lacking in their inside running game, but they they upgraded the line so maybe you know they brought in some guards in the center so maybe that will help with their interior running game because I just don't think Melvin Gordon is that that piece for them um so I honestly I, I couldn't find a major hole that they didn't really address or at least get somewhat better at so I got them at uh nine and seven this year last year they finished seven and nine so I think with some of the additions they brought in some of the draft draft um some of their draft prospects I'll give them two more wins. It's a tougher division, honestly, on paper at least. Maybe, maybe not in the win-loss column, but on paper, it's a, it is a tougher division. So, A-minus. Yeah, definitely. I can see them even getting 10 wins. I'm not huge on Drew Locke, but just the additions that they brought in. You know, it was a nice mix of veterans along with young players, too. Yeah. They had a top-five offseason, honestly. They, did. they really did. It. And you're right there with me. I'm the same way. I'm salty because the Cowboys did, too. Yep. So same kind of boat. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off with the Rams. Um, they're a weird team. They get rid of – they trade second and first rounders for guys and then get rid of them the next year. I don't even know what to make of them. They're, like, just um, – they're mind-boggling. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, anyway, they drafted Cam Akers out of Florida State. Pretty solid running back. I thought he was very underrated. They got him 52nd. That was a good pick. Uh, Van Jefferson, another guy, probably a top three route runner in this draft mm -hmm. uh, out of Florida. He had great game against LSU, took him 57th. Um, that was a steal, too. One of the best steals of the draft, I thought. Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. A lot of these Alabama def defensive players get lost in the shuffle because there's so many of them, right? right. Um, they got him 84th. I thought that was a great value. I, I had him as an early second rounder. Um, after that, there wasn't a whole lot to be excited about. Um, they did sign a Sean Roberts Robinson, uh, defensive tackle from Detroit. Uh, they brought back Michael Brockers. So they shored up that defensive line with, um, Aaron Donald to help him out. They got Leonard Floyd, kind of a three, four D end, um, a year, 10 million though. It's a lot. He had three sacks last year. Um, he's always been projected to be such a better DN than he has been, but he just hasn't lived up to that. Okay. Um, they let Dante Fowler go. They let Todd Gurley go. Um, different situation, but they didn't really use him a whole lot. So he's in a situation now where in Atlanta, just give it to him 250 times, see what happens. Maybe he gets over 1,000 yards again. Who knows? Um, so, I mean, it was mutual for them. Um, anyway, although the money hasn't come in apparently for him, and he's been mad about that. Um, Corey Littleton, they got rid of. Your boys picked up. Very, very, very Love underrated. Love linebacker. it. Love him. Uh, they, they let Zerline walk, went to Dallas. That hurt. That hurt. Um, and then they let Roby Coleman go to the Eagles. So they got rid of a lot of depth. They did bring back Andrew Whitworth. Apparently, he plans to play until he's like 60. I don't I know. so. The guy's ancient. He's, <laughs> no, he's still playing well, so it's whatever. Um, right, right. It's just so much going on in one offseason. 
I was going to have them going like seven and nine, six and 10 maybe. But then I thought, you know, they still do have these stars like Aaron Donald, like Jalen Ramsey, and they've got Goff, who I still believe in, you know, and I think he could still easily get 4,000 yard seasons. It's such a tough one, but I've got them at nine and seven. Um, And then I didn't mention also they let Brandon Cooks walk after paying him a super outrageous amount of money. They let him walk. Anyway, I have them, I gave them a C plus for this off season and nine and seven. I just see them right in the middle again. They went seven to nine last year. Um, I don't know, maybe even eight and eight. I'm kind of in between. They're just very odd because they have no depth, but they have so many like solid players still. I mean, Keith, it's such a tough division, though. They're playing against Seattle. They're playing against the right. Niners. Even Arizona is on the upswing. I mean, they, they, I feel like you're going to hit on it soon. I feel like they did pretty well, and they're just getting better. So that's just a tough division. And all three of those teams, Niners, Seahawks, Cards, I think they all have a shot to go 2-0 against the Rams, honestly. Right. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 8-8, eight eight, I would say for the Rams, actually, would yeah. be fair. Even 7-9. <laughs> No, that's that's I feel that's very fair, Keith. That's a tough division. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with another um, LA team sharing that that soon to be beautiful new stadium, the Chargers, and yep. I'm giving them a B plus. Um, I think that they're always the team that on paper has one of the best rosters. Last year, their 2019 roster on paper, I don't know if you could have found a better roster. But their problem is that they cannot stay healthy every single year. And it's early, too. It's early injuries. It's training camp injuries. It's preseason injuries. Big names for this team get hurt, and they're out the full year. So I don't know what team we're going to get this year. Um, I, I gave them a B plus. I think that some – let's see. Let's take a look. So they re-signed their running back, Austin Eckler. I love that move. They bring in cornerback Chris Harris. Good move. Good corner. Um, they they uh, franchise tag their tight end, Hunter Henry. Again, good tight end. When he's healthy. Yeah. Um, they brought in a, a D tackle, Limbaugh Joseph. They brought in a guard, Trey Turner. Another offensive tackle, Brian Bulag. I like, I like Bulag a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, again, they're bringing in or they're re-signing, whatever it is. They're solid, solid players, solid depth, solid starters even. But what team are we going to get? I mean, in quarterback, are we rolling out with Tyrod? Tyrod, Mr. Hot Dogs? Mr. Hot Dog. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Tyrod, Tyrod. I just don't know if I trust that. Throw, to throw in the, the quarterback that they just drafted, I don't know if I trust that. So we'll see. I, I'll be very interested to see what happens with them this year. Um, I mean, they lost Phillip Rivers. They lost Melvin Gordon. They lost a fullback. They lost the wide receiver, Travis Benjamin. They lost Schofield, their guard. Their tackle, Russell Okun, um, safety, Adrian Phillips. So, I mean, they lose a lot. They bring in a lot. But who knows? They drafted the quarterback. Obviously, we know that. Justin Herbert, um, who at some points last year looked like a top quarterback in the draft. He's a big pro-ready quarterback. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, he inherits a pretty good offense if he's going to come in and, and take over this team. Got some good targets to throw to. And not name a rookie that was that's drafted where he was drafted that has a roster that he's going to inherit. Yeah, not many. So they added running back and wide receiver uh, depth in the draft. They added a guy, a linebacker, who I'm still bummed the Raiders didn't take, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, Kenneth Murray. So on paper, another good team. I just think the quarterback position is going to be either what's going to make them or break them. I mean, you could say that about any team. 
you can say that about any team, but especially with the Chargers, I've given them eight and eight, and that's yeah. if they're healthy. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're very similar in some ways to the Eagles, except for the quarterback situation where on paper they always look great, but then they get the injury bug to hit them. You know, they've got very good edge rushers, sometimes questionable secondary. Um, I will say the Eagles, I, I read somewhere online, they cut their, like, medical training staff. So, like, if the Chargers did something like that, that might help. It hasn't materialized yet for the Eagles because they just did it a couple months ago. Right. But to make moves to head in that direction would help out the Chargers. I mean – Something's going on there. So Right. Yeah. Guys are getting banged up left and right, and when you see other teams with not nearly as many injuries, right. you got to put two and two together and say, hey, maybe we should just scrap this medical staff. So, and then the trainers, too, obviously. Um, so, okay, I've got, let's see, I'll go to the Seahawks. I'll go to Seattle. Um, still a very solid team, I think. Um, I like them a lot still. Um, a lot of homegrown players that they've really drafted to make their own. And um, they also, in this year's draft, got Jordan Brooks, 27. Linebacker out of Texas Tech, I was very, very, very high on him. I might have been the only one who had him with the late first-round grade. Um, a lot of people were shocked with that pick, but they didn't pick again to 48, so if that's their guy, go get him. Um, I like him a lot. He had multiple 100-plus years uh, tackles at Texas Tech. Um, and then 48, they reached quite a bit. Defensive end, Darrell Taylor out of Tennessee. He could have went round four, honestly. That was – I don't know what that was. Um, then they got guard Damian Lewis out of LSU, 69th overall. It was solid. They need some help on the uh, offensive line. And to go off of that note, um, they cut Justin Britt. They let Jermaine Afidi walk, who had an incredible last two years. Um, he was really turning into a solid guard. Let him walk. Let George Fant go. Um, the old line is just very weak right now, and originally we were talking about it. They might have been cutting some guys to bring in a guy like Clowney back, but it didn't appear that's what the plan was. Um, that old line, I mean, you got to protect your guy, Russell Wilson. It's That's my only big concern with the team. Um, they did address um, running back a little bit. They got Carlos Hyde, um, who is – been pretty underrated over the last few years, I think. Um, I'm not like a huge Hyde guy, but he's always healthy, and that's a plus. Um, Greg Olson they brought in, actually. Um, that was a surprise signing, but another target for Russell Wilson, and then they re-signed Jerron Reed, defensive tackle. Um, overall, I think they'll have a similar year. I think the difference for them, and I've said it a thousand times on this podcast probably, the difference for them was having a solid edge rusher. And I feel like without that this year, they can't get deep into the playoffs. Um, they got into the divisional round last year, did very well, almost won that game against Green Bay. I got them going 10-6. and six. Um, I think they'll make the playoffs. Um, I give them a B-. minus. I'll say for the NFC this year, though, there's going to be 10-6 and six teams to miss the playoffs because there's so many. It's so top-heavy. Um, because you got the 49ers in the same division who are going to be very similar. I'll talk about them in a minute. So I've got Seahawks 10 and 6, B minus uh, offseason. You, you think you said making the playoffs, you think that's as a wild card? Yeah, it's got to be. Because um, I think still the Niners are a little better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Keith, did you see when um, Will Farrell 
was um, played Greg Olson into the Seahawks. They had like a, a tight end Zoom meeting with their tight end coach and Pete. Oh Carroll. no! And Will Ferrell came, popped in as um, Greg Olson. Do you have to Google it? Oh, that's cool. I'll put it into that post editing too. <laughs> yeah, 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 do it because it's hilarious. There was one point where. Um, you know, Farrell, Will Farrell was like talking about the things that he's, he's willing to do and not willing to do. And he was very adamant, you will not play me on special teams. So that's that was funny. funny. <laughs> but that's um, funny. Keith, I'm going to hit you with the Chiefs next and um, giving them a B minus. And honestly, they just didn't lose a ton of talent that they had to really replace, you know. Um, I mean, they did lose some talent, but they kept in their, you know, their bigger pieces and it's just not – it wasn't an offseason where they had, you know, to really overhaul. Right. They the Super Bowl. There's not a lot that they had to overhaul. Um, I mean, they bring in – bring in a ton of, a ton of depth. They brought in um, – oh, they franchise tagged Chris Jones. That's, that's a smart move. They bring in a corner, Antonio Hamilton. He played for the Raiders. That's not – that's nothing major. They re-signed their wide receiver, Demarcus Robinson – kind of want the Raiders to go after him, or at least I heard that they maybe had some interest, but he ultimately goes back to Kansas city. Um, they re-signed the running back, Damian Williams, who was a stud in the, the postseason for them. And they bring in my guy uh, running back, DeAndre Washington, not a sexy move, not a move that's, you know, going to move the needle, but it's depth. And he is, that's exactly what he's good for. He's, he's your good second, maybe third string back, if anything. Um, and, you know, I just, I don't see a lot of big time moves, but I don't see them losing. I mean, they do lose. They do lose a ton, but not anything that serious. So I can't say they did, had a great off season. Can't say they had a bad off season. Right there in the middle, they lose. Um, you know, some line help. Your, our boy, our our mutual boy, Stefan Wisniewski, he's gone. Yeah. Um, they lose a guard. They lose a DN. They lose a couple of linebackers, a couple of corners, some running backs. They lose Matt Moore, quarterback. I mean, they're not losing the ton. Whatever. Yeah. Um, they can have a cheerleader yeah. be backup. It's whatever. Right, right. Um, draft was pretty good. They drafted uh, LSU running back Clyde Edwards, um, Hilaire. I think I'm saying his name right. It's pretty, pretty good, pretty good uh, draft there. They drafted linebacker Willie Gay Jr., which pe- people were pretty, you know, um, complimentative of for them. Some holes. I still think they have some holes at cornerback. Um, I, I would have said running back, but I feel like they did kind of address it between the draft and then eventually they signed. They stole my boy. Um, Offensive line might have been a hole. I do feel like they kind of addressed that a little bit in the draft as well. So no glaring needs, um, no no glaring losses, no glaring gains. Just right right, right around just an average mediocre, doesn't move the needle offseason. B minus, didn't have a lot to, that they needed to, um, to do to overhaul that team. They just won the freaking Super Bowl. Got them going 12-4, and four, unfortunately winning in the division. Probably everybody's going to have to go through them to get to the Super Bowl, go through Kansas City. So wouldn't be a surprise if we see them again in the Super Bowl this upcoming year. But um, I'm leaving yeah. it. Very similar to what I've got for the 49ers, too. It's funny. Um, you know, you mentioned they didn't lose a whole lot. It's next year and the year after that they're going to have to worry about a little more. So, like, this is their window. Next year – in this past year, which they capitalized on, obviously. Because right. um, then you're going to have to worry about Mahomes' extension and then go back to re-signing Kelsey, a few of those guys on defense. Um, so it, it's it's funny, too, because you mentioned uh, Willie Gay Jr. Um, he could have been a mid- to late-first-round pick if he wasn't in so much trouble off the field. Right. That's how good he is. Right. He's so fast. He ran in the low fours at the Combine. 
I mean, he flies. And for them to spend a late second to get him, whatever, let's go for it. So that pick can work out very nice for him. He could be a very good linebacker in the NFL. Um, Anyway, I'll go uh, next with the 49ers. Um, Like I said, very similar. Uh, They actually traded um, DeForest Buckner to get Indianapolis Colts' 13th overall pick. Now, with that, it's funny. They actually drafted a defensive tackle out of South Carolina, Javon Kinlaw. Um, Very high motor. I kind of almost compare him to sort of a Fletcher Cox, maybe Melvin Ingram because he can work the edge, too. Um, A few people had some injury concerns. I don't see it really being a big deal, um, just because the upside with him. He's got such a high motor, very strong, too. Um, And then they got Brandon Ayuk, 25th overall. Um, Some people were thinking that was a little high for him, but if you go back and watch the film, at Arizona State, the separation he creates is incredible. And the run after catch, the ability to get out in open space and take it to the house for 80 yards, it, I think that was a steal at 25, actually. He's going to be very good with Devo Samuel. I think they'll run around a little jet sweep action with him, too. They're going to be able to do a few more things on offense, which is part of the reason they traded uh, uh, Marquise Goodwin um, on the last night of the draft to the Eagles for essentially nothing. It was a late-round swap. Um, they added Trent Williams also, um, and they let uh, Staley actually – I think he, re- he retired, right? Yeah. I believe, yeah. So, And I think Trent Williams at this point in his career is very – he's still a top ten left tackle easily in this league. Um, so they lost a little bit, but they gained a little bit. Um, I think it was just about even for them. I gave them a B minus. Uh, 12 and four, <laughs> pretty much the exact same thing you had for the chiefs. <laughs> yep. So isn't that funny how that worked out? Well, Keith, I'm going to um, hit you last with my boys, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Still feel sure. weird seeing that. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to be unbiased here. Usually I'm pretty tough on them. I feel like I'm, pre- I was, I, I feel like I'm giving them a lot of credit right now with what, you know, with what I graded them at, but um, I'm biased. I'm trying, I'm trying to be unbiased. I'm giving them a B plus. I, I like a lot of the guys that they bring, they brought in some very quiet, underrated signings, you know, not, not well-known, you know, a lot, not a lot of people have heard of these, some of these guys, but um, listen, you know what, in this league, it's depth. It's a lot of, it's a lot about depth. They bring in D tackle Malik Collins, safety Jeff Heath over from Dallas. They bring in a linebacker from Chicago who, you know, here's a guy that didn't play a lot, but, did a lot when he played. Like he Absolutely. made time, hit the the chances that he got, he made it worth it. Nick Kwiatowski probably said that wrong. I'll probably learn that real quick. And <laughs> my favorite signing this offseason, we already talked about it, was uh, the linebacker from from us, the Rams, Corey Littleton. I loved it. They needed they needed help there, and to get a guy with you know, not even I don't even say potential. I think he's producing. So it's not even that he just has potential, but his production. To get a guy like that, I'm super excited about it. They bring in defensive end Carl Nassib just fits that that scheme, that that Gruden's you know type of culture that he he wants. I love the signing they, uh, of safety Demarius Randall from Cleveland. They bring in cornerback Prince Amukamara, who actually 
took the place they originally agreed to terms with Eli Apple and then just various things didn't work out so he ended up going to Carolina love bringing Prince of Mukamara over Eli Apple I'd Not give him a last week and start yeah, yeah, but better than Eli. And then um, they bring in some quarterback depth, and I truly believe it's just just that, quarterback depth with Marcus Mariota. I don't think he's going to be competing for the starting job. I mean, every position should be a competition. So, heck, if he goes out and wins it, he goes out and wins it. But I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think it's depth, and to use him as kind of like that, um, I don't want to say, say um, wildcat, but kind of, you know, that kind of yeah. that kind of. Style. They can roll him out there for some wild plays, you know? Right. Yeah, yep, for sure. They lose um, linebacker Vontez Berfick, which, honestly, I was disappointed with that, but I feel like they kind of had to part ways with him. Who knows what, you know, Goodell's going to do. He might I, I, he might have been reinstated. I don't even know, but they officially parted ways. They lost linebacker to hear Whitehead. I love the guy. He was uh, – he was gave everything to the team. He was a captain, but he was probably statistically the worst linebacker in the whole, the whole league last year. They lose safety Carl Joseph. They did replace – it's funny, Cleveland and the Raiders kind of swapped safeties – Carl Joseph went to Cleveland, and the Raiders brought in Damaris Randall. I'm bummed about it. I liked Carl Joseph. He was a little guy, but, a man, he was a rocket. He could hit. And then they lose cornerback Daryl Worley, who had a quietly good year. He was definitely productive, and he, you know, he, he played well, but he just – I think, I think he got more money elsewhere. And my, the biggest disappointment is they lose cornerback Mike Lennon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, I'm just I'm like, wow, okay. We still have Nate Peterman on the roster. Yeah, the GOAT. Yeah, the GOAT. Um, you know, so I feel like they definitely attacked some of their needs. Um, they made the roster competitive. They brought in some starters, some depth. They didn't get much better at corner, so I still think that's a whole – I mean, they did address it in the draft, and I'll bring that up in a second. But in terms of, like, proven, you know, this is going to be a solid guy for you, we, we just don't know. We just don't really have that. Um, so I would say that the cornerback position is still kind of a hole. Wide receiver isn't necessarily, necessarily a hole, but it's not something that is a strong point for us. I'm, I'm a little concerned about it. They did address it in the draft, so I'm glad for that, but I don't know if I'm in love with it. So they drafted Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama. I get it. At first, I was really upset about it. I get that you want to kind of take that top and just send him deep, and then that opens up everything underneath, especially in Gruden's offense. So I get it. He's not going to be a sexy pick. He's not going to have amazing numbers. He's going to be one of those types of players where his, his, um, he's felt in other areas of the game. His right. production isn't going to be in what he produces himself, but in opening it up for others. Like Darren Waller will benefit off of him yeah. big time because that safety will go off of him a little more. Josh Jacobs will benefit from it. The running game yep. will. Yep, exactly. They drafted Damon Arnett, the cornerback out of Ohio State. 100% of reach, but he does fit what they want to do. He's a strong corner. He's physical. And I say it's a reach, but at the same time, if he's your guy and you cannot trade back, because I think they could have drafted him later on, they didn't have a second-round pick, he's probably gone by the third round. And if nobody's going to trade back with you and he's your guy, go get him. Yeah. You know, hope he works out. He might, he might not. But, um, you know, at this point, there's not much you can do other than just – It's definitely what they need. Like you said, big, strong corner. I mean, yeah. they, they need a press corner, and that's what they have in him. Um, yeah. I saw LaMarcus Joyner. They were possibly planning on working him in the nickel a little bit too. We'll be in a starting um, nickel, yeah. Yeah, he's on a few depth charts I looked at online as the nickel. So we'll see. I mean, they could use him too. They've got Jonathan Abrams coming back too. 
Right. Yeah, so. and all on that, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, they drafted uh, kind of like a hybrid wide receiver, running back, quarterback, and Lynn Bowden Jr. I'm very excited oh, about yeah. that. And then um, a lot of people are saying that this could be one of, not the steal, but one of the steals of the draft in Brian Edwards. If he's healthy, he was the wide receiver out of uh, South Carolina. So if he's healthy, he's a big red zone target. I'm excited about him. Like I said, that's the, the key, though, if he's healthy. Could, could be productive for Derek Carr in the red zone. So all in all, I'm giving him a B plus. I think that's kind of where you had your boys, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's so, fair. I would say B plus too, and that's my unbiased opinion yeah, too. Yeah. I'd say just the linebackers, signing them alone, it, it was so huge. That, that bumps it up almost a whole letter grade. For sure. That was a big, big need for them, maybe even their biggest need um, mm-hmm. in the offseason. So they 100% addressed it. So – I'm happy with it. Nine and seven, best case scenario, 10 and six. Honestly, I just don't, even if they make the playoffs, it's, it's in a, on the wild card and they're not getting through Kansas City. So they're going to be very competitive, though. And it's something to be excited about for you, which I'm sure it's, it's, it's huge to look forward to. Sure. They had a great offseason, though. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. A lot of players after year one were like, oh, I don't know about Gruden. I don't know. It's like, calm down, wait. And this is what they wait for. Right. Um, so I'm going to go to the Cardinals out in the NFC West. Um, they had a very solid offseason, I'll say. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of depth that they addressed. Um, I'll go first with the draft. They got Isaiah Simmons seventh. Still think that was a steal. Look at all the numbers and production he had at Clemson. He lined up literally everywhere. He even lined up on the defensive line. Um, they got um, – uh, Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston, uh, 72nd overall. Um, Leckie Fotu is one of my steals, actually. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he's, he's a defensive tackle out of Utah. 114th overall. He went in the fourth round. I thought he was going to be a late second, early third. Super strong guy. He can lift a car over his freaking head. Um, he did – it was something like 38 reps at the combine. It was the most – and he was mad. Wow. He was, like, throwing stuff. Right, right. He, he wanted more. He wanted over 40. <laughs> so, I mean, just the guy is a bulldozer. He just yeah. runs over linemen. And to get him 114th is a steal. Right. Um, they signed Devondre Campbell from Atlanta. He had 129 tackles last year, career year. Three passes, uh, three forced fumbles, five passes defended, super versatile. You could – you could uh, line him up against a tight end, too. Um, and that's what they needed, depth at linebacker, just yep. like your boys. Yep. Uh, Devon Kennard, 3-4 uh, DN more uh, from uh, Detroit. So it's nice to get some versatility. You know, you get a cover guy who can also play the run, and then you get a 3-4 edge rusher. He had 58 tackles last year, seven sacks with Detroit. Um, and then defensive tackle Jordan Phillips out of Buffalo. Um, very consistent start, I will say. He played in 76 of 80 career games possible. Uh, 9.5 sacks last year, 13 tackles for loss. Borderline Pro Bowl year for him. And it's crazy because he went undrafted. He was a guy that nobody knew about at all and ended up being a stud and got, got money. You know, he got three years, $30 million. So good for him. Um, Kenyon Drake, they traded for him midseason, and then they tagged him, um, which is crazy because he's making $8 million on the tag, and he's like the fourth or fifth highest paid running back right now. Right. Um, 
insane production, though. He had great production in eight games, 643 rush yards, eight touchdowns, 28 catches. Uh, I believe it was 200-something receiving yards. So he's very very promising. He's never been a feature back, and now he gets a chance to. Right. Um, and then not to mention they've got DeAndre Hopkins, which you can't yeah. not mention. Um, I not mention it. So Bill O'Brien, in his infinite wisdom, just said, here, just take him, I guess. For uh, It was a second rounder. And it's like, oh, no. But for the Cardinals, you got Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins. Two top – I mean, Fitzgerald, maybe not top ten anymore, but two top 20 receivers. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what they envisioned for Kyler Murray, to have – great targets and to just air it out. So I think this next year they're going to take a big step forward. Um, they're not ready to compete with with San Francisco and Seattle, however. I think they still got to get a little more depth. Um, I got them going 9-7, and seven, and I think that's more than fair. Yeah. Um, I gave them an A for their offseason, though. Yeah. Very solid offseason. That's what I was saying earlier when we were talking about the Rams, that it's going to be tough for them to win in, the, in this division because even the Cardinals – are on the upswing. You got him at nine and seven and A in the offseason. That's a tough division. Absolutely. Yeah. So and then um they they got um their linebacker uh Riddick out of Temple they drafted a few years ago. They decided not to place uh not to pick up a fifth year option on him. But that was a little odd because he's been nothing but productive there. Right, right. But they got a couple new linebackers so I could see why. But yeah, nine and seven is what I got for them. Yeah. So Yep. I think that does it for our grades for, for everything. So, I don't know what we're going to talk about now. So. <laughs> well, you know what? I was going to tell you this. ESPN came out with their, you know, their NFL rankings. They're top. They're ranked all 32 teams. So maybe, maybe in the next few episodes, we could break that down oh. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Who we think should be moved where. And maybe we can touch on that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. We got to have, we got to have something here. <laughs> so we're going to, Tough off season to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, really. I know. If we could get through this, we get through anything. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna uh, start off with our actually our top fives. Yep. So we're gonna kick it off with most underrated movies. This is tough because I mean you can make a top twenty list, and I just I had to put honorable <laughs> mentions in. I'm like, dude, this is tough. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I came up with this one, and halfway through, I'm like, why did I do this? Yeah, but <laughs> so what I did, Keith, I'll let you kick it off, but I'll tell you what I did because that's so hard to, to come up with five, the five most overrated movies, or I mean underrated movies because, I mean, they made millions and millions of movies and you could argue right. so many. So I just decided that I'm going to take, because I'm a big movie buff, I own a lot of movies. So I did the five most underrated movies that I own. That way I can okay. kind of narrow it down. That makes sense. A smaller set as opposed to, I mean, it's, it's too overarching so that's what i did to make it a yeah. little because this is a hard top five yeah that's fair that's fair um i'll kick it off i've got honorable mention nice you might laugh bubble boy bubble boy dude bubble <laughs> boy was good right like just the story of how he was like the most sheltered kid ever in any in every way imaginable yeah. his parents hor horrible people like oh, made yeah. up the fact that he had this crazy disease so they would literally keep him in a bubble right, right. <laughs> and then one ensues after that it's just insane and then i've got blast from the past for honorable okay. mention 
two good 90s flicks, I feel like. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> um, for number five, though, I've got Clerks 2. Um, okay. Incredibly raunchy movie. I tried to come up with some kind of clip to insert. I can't. That's yeah. how... That's how disgustingly, like, vile this movie is. But right, it, right. I watched the clips, and I was crying laughing. Just crying. Like, I can't even say. Clerks 2, though. Go watch it. Clerks I've never one? seen it, so I'll have to when Amelia's asleep. Yeah, you don't even have to watch Clerks 1. Clerks 2 is unimaginably... I can't even describe how funny it is sometimes, because right. it's, it's one you don't even think about, but... I don't know, maybe a bunch of movies came out around the same time. So funny, though. So good. Jalen Silent Bob made multiple appearances in it. Um, Kevin Smith directed it and wrote it. So, of course, it's going to be funny. But that's my five. Good. I like it. Keith, I wasn't going to do an honorable mention, but, I'll, I, but I decided I'll use this as an honorable mention. I asked my wife, you know, what, what she thought for this category and if she could give me any movies. And I kid you not, her, her only movie she told me was – underrated and i should mention and i feel i, I don't like to do this because it's a chick flick however there are some good chick flicks out there like how to lose a guy in 10 days my my man matthew mcconaughey okay great movie okay but there are some ladies who watch or listen to the podcast <laughs> and, and even some guys who like these kinds of movies you might enjoy this movie though from my wife crazy rich asians <laughs> okay i've heard that's so, good actually we'll put that as a my uh, my um, honorable mention for underrated soft spot for for chick flicks i feel like <laughs> what's that you've got a soft spot for chick flicks <laughs> i might put how to lose guy in 10 days in my top five of all time for just good not underrated just good movies yeah it was good i'll say that yeah yeah so my number five though keith i felt really bad doing this or not really bad but i felt very unmasculine doing this i felt you were going to take my man card because <laughs> of this movie however after you putting bubble boy i feel a little bit better a little bit better putting this movie my number five and it probably could have been even higher i just didn't want my man card stripped is hocus pocus hocus pocus okay yep yep so let me give you I, i'm not doing this for every movie just this movie but let me give you some numbers here here's why it's over are very underrated when it first came out in 93 it got a 30 percent on rotten tomatoes so it was a terrible score it flopped in the box office it it cost let's see i have it here it cost 28 million dollars to make they only made, in the entire time it was in theaters, $39 million. So they only made $9 million off of it. It opened in August. I don't know why you put a Halloween movie in theaters in August, but they did. So it flopped. It was going up against Jurassic Park, though, so that's probably why. But it has become from that, from making nothing in the theaters, to being ridiculed and made fun of when it came out in 93, to being a cult classic that gets watched every Halloween. When you think Halloween, you think Hocus Pocus. For example, um, oh, come on. I, I wrote a bunch of stats here, Keith, and now you're going to make fun because I can't find it. It has made over $49 million in just DVD sales, not Blu-ray sales, not streaming. It has made over $39 million since it was released on DVD in 93. That's how much it made in the theaters. That's so crazy. That's crazy yeah. that it's made the same amount now and that's not even including the other the other platforms um it's got 30 million plus viewers every october so every october there are 30 million people that watch it on the different platforms that air it, like freeform for example mm -hmm. uh, they're huge that's, on that that's up from when they started playing it in 2011 
they start they averaged 2.8 million users for the month of October our watchers viewers now it's up to th over 30 million and then the last thing I'm going to say because um, I don't want to take up too much time here is it has made over 138 million dollars in DV sales in just the month of October alone wow that's that's incredible especially to think how much they made out the gate I feel like it definitely has picked up some steam over the last decade too that's sure. definitely fair to say yep. so that's a solid one I think that's a solid solid five actually thank you I was worried so thank you I had a, I had a big time crush on Je Je Sarah Jessica Parker watching it growing up too so <laughs> um number four yeah number four I've actually got kingpin so it, it had its amount of you know, like people liked it, but not everyone was like, oh my gosh, you have to watch Kingpin. Zero awards, zero awards. Yep. Uh, came out in 1996, written and directed by Bobby Fairley, starring Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid, and Bill Murray. Um, Randy Quaid, our guy, that's our guy. Yep. <laughs> Went off the deep end recently, but let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. Um, just just so funny because how many movies do you see they pull someone from the Amish and turn them into this whole professional athlete basically um just the hijinks that they have all the way through it's just hilarious and they just it's just constant entertainment all the way through I feel like Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson just butt heads the whole time mostly initiated by Bill Murray but <laughs> of course he's the instigator right <laughs> he's the Elmer Fudd um so yeah, that's a great movie, though. I, I got number four, Kingpin. That's a good movie, Keith. It's a good cast. I love Bill Murray, and obviously Dennis Quaid is hilarious. So um, my number four, Keith, is Man of Steel, the Superman movie that came out a few years ago. I'm not a huge comic book movie guy. I mean, I've probably seen all of them, but uh, I'm not definitely one of the, the, you know, the I'm not a person that's got to see them or go to the theaters to see them. But I am a big Superman guy, and I feel like the actor that, that got to play Superman in Man of Steel, Henry Cavill, was the best actor they've, that's played Superman ever. So I feel like people don't take this movie seriously and they weren't even going to bring him back for a sequel. He is officially coming back, by the way, in case you were wondering. But um, the Man of Steel doesn't get anywhere the amount of talks or likes or credits that all the, um, you know, the Marvel movies do. And I feel like it was up there. It was it, the DC movies, like the Batman movies and stuff, not the um, Dark Knight, that's different. But the DC movies definitely aren't as good as the Marvel movies. I agree to that. But Man of Steel was good, and nobody ever talks about it. And Henry Cavill did awesome. Best Superman, greatest Superman of all time. So Man of Steel is number four for me. I feel like DC, a lot of those movies, because there have been some real doozies, yeah. the good ones will get lost in the mix because yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, I've got actually Law Abiding Citizen, number Ooh, three. That's a good one. I forgot about that. Solid, solid that, movie. That might make my top five. Shoot. Dude, no awards. How yeah. did this movie not win any awards? Yeah. Just the amount of detail they had into it. And if you haven't watched it, sorry. But just the, the elaborate scheme to build the tunnel underneath to yourself, just yeah. mind, blown. mind blown. And then the suitcase scene, just incredible. I mean, the, the amount of detail into this movie. I mean, it was starring Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx, came out in 2009. It was just incredible to me um, that this wasn't really talked about a whole lot. And it was on TV within like a year. And it's like, usually this is meant for bad movies, but yeah. this is a great movie. Every time I, I, I could watch that over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, very underrated though. 
Gerard Butler is the man, dude. He is in every he movie. Is. He, was in, he, he was Dracula in Dracula 2000. He was Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. He's in this movie. He's in every single action movie that you can think of. He's in chick flicks. The guy does it all. I love Gerard Butler. Absolutely, yeah. He's, my number three is Lawless. Have you ever seen Lawless? Who's that? With? Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf. It's about um, the Bondurant brothers. Which yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie. Great, great, exactly. great movie. So the Bondurant brothers were moonshiners back in Virginia during Prohibition. And um, so it's, it's based off of their life. So it's, it's loosely based off a true story. I've had their moonshine, actually. Um, you were down here in Virginia. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. Um, it's just such a good movie. Tom Hardy is my favorite actor. Um, currently. I mean, I'm sure I could say other actors, too. But currently, Tom Hardy is my favorite actor. And it's just such a good movie, and he does such a good job. And, I mean, it, it, it probably got talked about when it first came out, but nobody talks about it anymore. No, it's never on. Um, I, I didn't win awards. To, I mean, it, it was such a good movie based off a book. So it, des- it deserves more credit than it gets lawless. Yeah, I feel like after the first month it was out, nobody really talked yeah. about it much. And that was a great movie. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, for my number two, I've got Zodiac. Came out okay. in 2007, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., who did a fantastic job, and Mark Ruffalo. Um, I don't know if it's because the length of it, it's like three hours long, but it's all based off of a true story that actually happened in California back in the, I believe, in the 60s. Yeah, I think so, yep. Um, just incredible movie, though. They did such a great job capturing... Um, like I felt like I was actually there and I actually got to experience a bit of history when I was watching it, you know? Um, and then you had like the wild card, Robert Downey Jr. Who was, he's great in everything. I mean, he's made such a great rebound since whenever that was, but Jake Gyllenhaal, um, bubble boy too. I don't know. He's got a soft spot for maybe. Such an underrated actor. People don't really talk about this. He is a phenomenal actor. He's incredible. And he could do so many different things, too. It's not like he's just right. he's just one guy, you know? Right. Like he could do it. He could really do it all. Right. Um, so, whereas, like, Randy Quaid, we were talking about earlier, he could just be crazy guy, which is cool, and it'll get some laughs. But he can't – can you picture Randy Quaid in a serious movie? Let no. me tell you. Like, no. <laughs> So, yeah, he can do it all. So, Zodiac's my number two. That's good, Keith. Good cast. I like that. Uh, my number two is Into the Wild. Okay. With Emil Hirsch, I think his name is. I can't remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. Not a while ago. Based off a book, which is, I mean, the book is based off, so I guess it's based off a true story. But um, my favorite author actually wrote the book, Into the Wild, and they adapted it to a movie. And it really, like, changed my life, man. I just wanted to do, not necessarily what he did, because he was a little too much, but um, – um, I just wanted to like just go camping more and just go on hikes more and just be outside and be in nature and wilderness more. And it just, it was an amazing movie and a sad story if you haven't seen or heard of it, but um, I recommend it and it doesn't get talked about and it was super impactful on me. So therefore it's underrated in my opinion. It's a great movie. I remember I watched it when it came out like um, to rent, like when there was Time Warner still at my mom's and I was thinking like, this movie is great. Like, Nobody's like really talking about this. This was this is a really good movie. It's um it's funny you said that. At first I thought you were talking about what where the wild things are, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, oh oh, into the wild. Okay. <laughs> um, my number one, I've actually got kind of a big one, but it's one it's won a few like small film awards. I've got Pineapple Express number one. 
came out in 2008, written by Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow, Evan Goldberg, and a few others there. You could tell they had some heavy hand in it, though, yeah. Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow. Uh, starring Seth Rogen, obviously, and James Franco. Also had Danny McBride, Craig Robinson, Rosie Perez, Gary Cole. Just a that cast. insane cast. Insane cast. Um, and the comedy, just from beginning to end, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Just when you think, like, there's going to be a dead part, something insane happens. Yeah. It's just such a funny movie. Um, I mean, I can really, probably 60% of the whole movie, I could give you the exact quotes at the exact yeah. time it comes up in the movie. It's crazy. I mean, it's definitely, like, a cult classic slash stoner film, but it's just so funny. I mean, my dad watched it, and he's, you know, a 55-year-old just dude that's yeah. not, you know, a stoner, obviously, or, like... Yeah into those kind of things but he was just like that was so funny i'm like yeah <laughs> so that was one of my it's one of my all-time favorite movies it's probably in my top five actually pineapple express yeah honestly keith i agree with you on that because like if you think of judd apatow's movies you think like the bigger one super bad 40 year virgin pineapple express is right up there but it doesn't get talked about in terms of like his better movies i think it's better than all those honestly right i'm saying that's what i'm saying so it, that's a, that's a good that's a good movie to have on this list Thanks, uh, my, my number one is um my favorite sports movie of all time so recently we did our top five football movies but if we did top five football or sports movies just in general this would be on here and nobody talks about it for good in terms of good sports movies maybe because the sport that it is isn't as popular as the other sports are in our culture you know football basketball baseball but it is a phenomenal movie warrior Oh, okay, yeah. So it's two brothers, MMA. So again, MMA isn't up there in terms of popularity. It's growing for sure. It's big. But in terms of the, the likeness of the other sports, it's not there. But it's, you know, two brothers that end up, you know, fighting each other in this, this competition, this cage match. And Tom Hardy's in it. And again, you know, favorite actor, so maybe I'm biased. But it's just, it's drama. It's action. It's fighting. It's insane. It's funny. It's it's a you'll cry i'm serious it's it's a phenomenal movie and nobody ever talks about it for you know being one of the better like i, I get it some people aren't going to say it's the best sports movie it's probably pretty crazy for me to say it's my favorite but for it to not even be mentioned in a top sports movie category i think is crazy it's so good and i don't think i've seen it I'll check it out yeah yeah i'll check that out for sure yeah that's definitely a good one to have though um cool so that's our top fives uh for for movies um you want to hit off the next top five let's do it this one i feel like keith might be a quick and easy one i, I imagine kind of breeze through it because it's kind yeah. of unanimous with some of yeah. these i'll just I've mention seen. a couple stats so we've got top wide receivers and i'll just kick it off i've got cool. mike evans number five honorable <laughs> mention uh godwin and hill um but tyreek hill was hurt a lot last year Mike Evans, three-time Pro Bowler. He's the youngest wide receiver to reach 7,000 yards. In only six seasons, he's got 48 touchdowns in 90 games. Um, pretty solid. That's my number five. Keith, I have number five, Mike Evans. And it was tough for me because if you look at Godwin's stats, he actually had a, a, maybe a more productive year last year than Evans did. So yeah. people might say, Evans isn't even the best wide receiver on his own team. But I, I disagree. I think Evans is clearly better. Yeah, he missed three games, too, so well, you got to take that. For sure. for sure. But, I mean, in terms of, like, the average yards per game, Godwin even had him on that. So, you know, oh, yeah. it's the injury part out of it. But, yeah, number five is Mike Evans for me. I could put Tyreek Hill as an honorable mention, but I hate the guy, so I can't do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could see. I mean, I could see why, not even as a Raiders fan. Um, Mike Evans, not to mention, he had 17.3 average yards per catch last year, which is insane. That's insane. A six foot five dude averaging that is crazy. Um, Number four, I've got Amari Cooper. He's a four time pro bowler. He's only 26 years old this year. Mm -hmm. Um, In his first three years, he had a, you'll love this as a Raiders fan. In his first three years with Oakland, 56.5% catch rate, right? Since he's joined Dallas, it's almost 71% Forget this guy, man. of his catches that he's made. Forget this guy. So it tells you a little bit. Um, he had 73.4%, which was among the best in the league in 19. Um, 1,189 yards last year, eight touchdowns. Um, he got big money, too. He got $20 million a year. He got paid. That's the most for any receiver in the NFL. But pains me, but I got to, you know, recognize greatness. He's number four for me. I, I guess if I'm not being biased, I, I, I can see why you put him there, Keith. I just – I have a sour taste in my mouth because he just, I just felt like if you go from what you did in Oakland – to how much you producing are producing now in Dallas. That tells me about who you are as a person, so that bothers me. Ooh, but anyway, I digress. I agree in terms of production. You're right. He's, he's definitely in there. Number four for me, I think, is a very over – I keep saying overrated when I mean to say underrated. Very underrated wide receiver. One of the best route runners in the league, though, Devontae Adams. Oh, wow. Okay. I feel yeah. Like That's a good one. Devontae Adams. He's, he did get hurt. He, 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 he is injury prone, but – he is a phenomenal – I mean, you talk to anybody, anybody that, that analyzes film, and they will tell you he is up there, if not the best at route running. So get him some more help, you know, elsewhere so it's not just him. That's the only option for Rodgers. And he'd have even higher production. But Devontae Adams is four for me. You know, I feel like I disrespected him a little bit with this list now. I feel bad. Good. Um, he's, he's definitely – he should be, if not top five borderline, though. Especially yeah. the amount he does for that offense. There's no right. other options for receiver, too. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Toss it up to him in the red zone. He grabs it. Yep. Um, he played with uh, Derek Carr too in college. So he did. They're big. They're someday, good maybe someday. Oh. <laughs> Don't tease me with that. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins, I've got for number three. Um, Four Pro Bowls. He's 28 years old. Um, started off, I don't want to say slow, because he did have a couple thousand-yard seasons his first two years, but people really caught on in 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. He had 211 receptions, 2,950 yards, uh, 24 touchdowns, just in 2017 and 18. Yep. Uh, last year, he had a great year still. I'm not going to say he had a bad year. It was just, for him, a down year. Yeah. I feel like he was losing juice a little bit last year. And he could have – I mean, these players played through so many injuries that people don't know about. It could have been something like that. Um, so it's very tough to make a top three. But he had 1,165 yards last year, 104 receptions. His average per reception went down, though. Like I said, I feel like he lost a little juice. Right. He went from 13.7 yards per catch in 18 to 11.2 in 2019. So I've got him as my three, but it, it was tough. Yeah, you know, Keith, I, my number one was clear for me, but my two and three, I, I was kind of bouncing back and forth on who should be where, and I have D-Hop at three as well. And I just feel like that even his down year last year, he was still a 100-yard receiver, 
thousand yard receiver and his, his average per catch is still a first down every time. Yeah. It was 11 something. So even his down year is still top five numbers, you know, and, and his earlier years where he was having a thousand yard receiving seasons, but you know, he wasn't being talked about who was throwing him the football. Like he was putting up a thousand yard, you know, thousand yards season after season without anybody throwing him the football. Absolutely. Like Tom Savage. It's like, are you freaking kidding me? Right. Right. So this guy is, he could have been number two for me. I did have him at three, but Man, I lo- I'm a D-Hop fan. I'll tell so you our that. two and ones are the same then. Um, oh, yeah. We got Julio for two. Oh, you said one? Boy! Oh! You put him in New Orleans with Drew Brees? Oh, man. You put him in oh, New Orleans? Man. Boom. Um, I got Julio number two. Come on. And nobody is higher on Julio than me. Come like, on. You know this. Nobody cares about all the production he's had in the NFL. Nobody talks about him, okay? So he's the youngest player to ever reach 10,000 yards, the youngest player to ever reach 12,000 yards. Let me give you this stat. This is incredible. Youngest player to reach 12,000 yards in 125 games. The second is Jerry Rice at 142. That's a 17-game difference. A whole season he can take off. And he still has more receiving yards with career life. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, he he reached 1,394 yards last year. Um, That makes six seasons with 1,300-plus yards. Only person that has more is Jerry Rice with seven. So he's reaching a lot of milestones, like – all-time milestones that nobody's talking about. Nobody cares that he's doing so well. Yeah. Um, averages 96.2 yards per game in his career. Mm-hmm. Has only missed four games in the past six years. People say, well, he's a little injury prone. No, he's not. Like, yeah. he's had, he had a broken toe for two years, and he missed, like, three games because of it. It was insane. Never misses time. Julio Jones, it was so close, but he's my two. Yeah. And, you know, I get that. If I'm basing it off of last year, which would be fair to do, that's what I did when we did our top five quarterbacks, I base it off of last year. Then, yeah, Michael Thomas would be number one and Julio would be two. But I just feel like if you switch those two, Julio Jones oh, has two. Yeah, that's true. Julio <laughs> might have had 2,000 yards. <laughs> and I'm, Yeah, right. Exactly. He would have had – I think – I guarantee he would have had over 2,000. And I'm not saying that Drew Brees makes Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas is good. He is the second best wide receiver on my list, and for good reason, not just because of Drew Brees. But I just feel – like I said, I just felt like if you switched it out, Julio is, has the better number, so therefore Julio is the better receiver. Yeah. So number two for me is Michael Thomas. I like the guy. I think he does chirp a little bit too much. He does cry a little bit too much. And I can't listen to him talk. That high-pitched voice is just – you just don't expect <laughs> it. He's such a dominant threat in the NFL. But, um, I mean, you can't argue the kid. I, I, I really can't. I give you a hard time a little bit because we disagreed on that. But, I honestly, I can't say 100% he's not number one. So, he's two, right. but it could be 1A, 1B for me. I will say I won't argue any argument you have that Julio's better than anyone. I won't. I won't have any argument. Um, I will say if it weren't for this last year, if Michael Thomas had 120 receptions and 1,200 yards, I'd probably put Julio number one. But just the fact that Michael Thomas put up such a historic number, 
Agreed. He crushed the receiving record. He had 149 catches last year, which is – that's insane. Yeah. Um, in four years, he's had 420 receptions, 5,512 yards, 32 touchdowns. The other eye-popping number when I was looking at the stats, you know I'm big on catch percentage. Yeah. For his career, 78% – okay – in 2019, 80.5. Oh, no, that was 19. That was last year. I'm sorry. 80.5 receptions. So targets caught. In 2018, two years ago, 85%. That's incredible. That's literally wow. like every pass thrown your way because there could be a hand in there. There could be, you know, a little overthrown. They still consider it a target. Um, he's – his 400 catches are the fastest in NFL history, 56 games. Second fastest is OBJ with 51. 401 catches uh, in first four seasons. It's the fastest. Um, and Michael Thomas is up on him seven games. Um, he's ahead of pace, uh, 81 to break catch record. Marvin Harrison, this – okay, that part was from midseason. So, the original record was 143. He broke it and shattered it with 149 last year. So, I mean, just the numbers he's putting up for the little amount of time he's been in the NFL, it's incredible. He's 27, so he was a little older when he was drafted. I hope he could keep it up kind of like Julio did. But it's just incredible. Just the best hands in the NFL, I think, by far. Yeah. It's not even close. The stats show it. So my number one is Julio, man. But, shoot, you might have convinced me with those 85%. That's insane. And I honestly, I mean, I don't know who's going to be the backup to Drew Brees when he does retire. But if it's, if it's Jameis, Jameis throws for 5,000 yards. So Michael Thomas is, is just going to keep producing at that high level. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how one, it goes with the receivers, too. I mean, he'll probably, you know, he'll probably still put up crazy numbers. I don't know if he'll – get 149 catches again without Drew Brees, but not to take anything away from him. But I will say they didn't have a whole lot else to throw to last year, too. They had Jared Cook and then a couple, like Ted Ginn, a couple guys. But, yeah, so. List. Yeah. Most of it. (laughs) That's pretty much it, unless you got something. Well, man, I think that – I think we wrapped it up nicely there. Cool. Excellent. Well – Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're now on that. Um, please follow us on Instagram at raddadpod, all one word, um, and Twitter, rad underscore dad underscore pod. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Our 100th follower on Instagram gets a free rad, Really Rad Dad podcast t-shirt. So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I said, get those bot follows up. I don't care. Whatever you want. You know, if you make 10 new accounts, I don't care. <laughs> so Make sure you check us out there and hit like and subscribe on, on our YouTube channel. And uh, thanks for tuning in again, folks. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Oops. Let's see.